All right, I don't know where to have you turn. Um, You can go to Matthew 6 or Luke chapter 11 or Psalms 27. Doesn't matter to me. (laughs) We'll get there eventually to all of them. And then there's one more. So, As we start the new year of 2024, we need to make sure that we focus on the basics and that is the one thing. And that one thing will make such a big difference in our lives. And, you know, people don't get that. You know, what's so sad is we strive for so many different things that we think are going to make us happy. And the one thing that makes us happy is Jesus. And we don't strive for him. We don't focus on him. And so uh, last week we began this message. And it, I'll tell you the title in case you missed it last week. One thing. One thing. And we need to make sure that we keep the one thing the first thing. And we've got to keep first things first. And we need to minimize the distractions that so easily come upon us and take our eyes off the one thing. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 21, last week we read a little bit more, but we're going to just read 21 to 23 this week. He says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if, everybody say if. Okay, so this is conditional. And this is what he's saying. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body is full of light. Okay, but then there's another one. But if, everybody say if, your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? Okay, and let me just share this in case we can't figure this out. He's basically sharing this to believers. He's sharing it about us right now. We can be saved, we can be on our way to heaven, but that doesn't mean that we're the light of the world, even though God has called us to be the light of the world. Because if we choose to do things that are contrary to His Word, we begin to become dark in us. And that's what He's saying here at the end. If the light in us is actually darkness, then how great is that darkness? Because we're the ones who have the hope for this world. And if we're turning away from the hope of this world, then how is the world going to have hope? And that's why it's so important for us to keep focused on the one thing. And... We have the responsibility. We're the ones who determine if our body, if our eyes are full of light. Nobody else can make that decision for you. I can't make it for you. Your spouse, your children, nobody can make it for you. Your parents can't make it for you. You have to make it for yourself. And if our eyes are healthy, then our whole body will be healthy. But if our eyes aren't healthy, then we won't be healthy. In Luke chapter 11, verse 33, he's saying the same thing. And he says, no one after lighting a lamp puts it in a cellar or under a basket, but on a stand so that those who enter may see the light. Your eye is the lamp of your body. When your eye, everybody say when. Matthew says if, Luke says when. And he says, when your eye is healthy, your whole body is full of light. But when it is bad, everybody say when. Your body is full of darkness. 
Therefore, verse 35 starts off, therefore, be careful. Now, he's talking to us right now. We're the ones who are going to determine what our eye is like. Is it going to be healthy or is it going to be unhealthy? Therefore, be careful lest the light in you be darkness. If then your whole body is full of light, having no part dark, it will be wholly bright as when a lamp with its rays gives you light. And last week we began to talk about the enemy's attempt to get us distracted. And then once we are distracted, um, he, he does it to turn our affection to something that is inferior. You know, and that's what's so amazing to me. That we are so willing to be distracted. We're so willing to give up what God has for us for something that's inferior, something that's not going to last, something that the Scripture says is temporary. And, and it changes all the time. And yet He stays the same. And, and yet we're willing to give that up. We, we're so easily distracted. Think about this for a moment. Fear, anxiety, worry are all geared towards our affection and to get our affection off the truth and, and off of God's Word, off of His promises, and onto something that's inferior. And yet, how many of us walk in fear, anxiety, and, uh, and trouble because of all of that? You know, I, I, I stated in the pen, my mom was a great worrier. I don't know if she had a license on it, if she had, you know, but she could worry like nobody I ever knew. But then on the other hand, when she came to know the Lord and she came to trust the Holy Spirit, she would worry for a little bit and then she would let it go. It was so beautiful. And, you know, when we are in fear and anxiety and worry, we're settling for something that's inferior. And we're really settling for something that's unhealthy for our bodies as well. And the same is true for lust and greed and any other thing that we go after. You know, when, when we set our affections on that, then we're setting them on something inferior. Something less than what God has for us. And our distractions come because our culture is so inundated with the opinions of others. You know, and I, I shared about this last week about Facebook and the likes. You know, it's so amazing to me how many people are being sucked into how many likes you have on Facebook versus how many likes God has for your life. Does He like what you're doing? Does He like what you're behaving in? Does He like what you're watching? Does He like what you're saying? You know, it's sad. But this is the culture that is around us and this is part of the distraction from the enemy to get our hearts and our minds off of God and His Word and the promises and the truth of His Word. We've come to a place where we're basing our decisions based on how many likes we get, not on the truth of God's Word. And that's not right. And let's just face it, we all want to be liked in this world. We all want to be likable. You know, if you don't want to be likable, then there's something wrong with you. But we all want to be liked. But I'm here to tell you, I don't want to be liked by the world at the cost of losing being loved by God and being liked by Him. Being pleasing to Him. 
You know, and, and that's what we've come to. We can forsake all of the truth of God's word if we have enough people who will like us on Facebook. And we will do the silliest, craziest things. I don't want the desire to be like to become greater, to take first place over pleasing God in my life. And I will not compromise the truth of God's word to the detriment of being liked by this world. My desire to be pleasing to him is much greater than my need to be liked by you and anybody else. And like I shared last week, most of the people that like you don't even know you. They don't even know you personally. They read the, your portion of what they think is truth on your Facebook page and they like it and all of a sudden you got a friend. But you know what? They don't know the real you. They don't know the truth that you're leaving out that makes you look so good while you're on Facebook. Hello. We're just warming up. Because pleasing God is not by getting likes on Facebook. The scripture says that pleasing God, and you can find that, I didn't bring it in. We please God by walking in faith, by obeying his word. And so I just want to encourage you that this fasting time gives us a chance to break from our routines and to reset our eyes more fully on God. We need that. You know, maybe we ought to start every month off fasting for a little bit. So we refocus after every month. Get our eyes on Him. Psalm 27, 4. I hope this blessed you last week, all week long. Psalm 27, 4 says, One thing have I asked of the Lord that I will seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. You know, there are some major benefits of having healthy eyes, of being careful what we look at. When we first moved here, long time ago, I remember driving in town and there was a dry cleaner and they had a, on their marquee, it, it said these words. And, and it, it penetrated me. And, and it's, it's so true. You see this in people's lives all the time. And, and this is what the marquee said. What you look for is exactly what you're going to find. What you look for is exactly what you're going to find. And I bring that up because last week we looked at Simeon and Anna and we're going to look at them again this morning in the Christmas story in Luke chapter 2. And if you want to turn there, you can. When Joseph and Mary came and they came to the temple to present Jesus to the temple on the eighth day, which was according to the custom. And how others saw just a baby boy, but they saw the salvation of not just Israel, but of all of mankind. They were able to see the Redeemer, the Deliverer of mankind. 
And we have to be so careful because this is just how He does in my life, and I'm, I'm pretty sure that He does it in your life as well. God usually doesn't speak in a loud voice. He usually doesn't yell at me. It's usually in the quietness. It's usually in that tenderness of relationship that He speaks and you hear His voice. And this is what happened with Simeon and Anna. All those people around. And maybe there were some other babies that were presented on that day as well. But, you know, they, they understood something different. I think of them and, and, and they were focused. They, they were lasered in, we would say nowadays. And let me encourage you with these words. The more focused we are on why we are alive and have that one thing before us. And by all of that, I mean that we're honed into God. We're locked in with Him. The more we are focused on Him, the less it takes to encourage us. The more focused, the more all in for the one thing, the less it takes to encourage us. And it doesn't matter what the circumstances around us are like, because we have decided in our hearts and in our minds, we're focused on one thing, this is the track that we're taking. And then all of these things from life happen. And if our mind isn't focused, if our heart isn't focused, it would be very easy to get distracted, to get off course. But because we're focused, we need, we need less encouragement to stay on course. Because when you become that focused, you realize that when you have Jesus, you have it all. I remember the story, and I, I read it here years ago, and I'll just read it again I'm from memory. A gentleman died, and he had uh, this picture of himself. And in the will, his will stated that whoever buys the picture gets the house. And so they go through the auction, and they're auctioning things off. And the first thing that they're auctioning off is this picture. And all of these people are grumbling and complaining because nobody wants to buy the picture. Because it's just a picture of the guy who owned the house. But it was worth the house was and the estate was worth millions. And so they're going through it and the auctioneer is trying to get them to focus on the picture. And they're focused on everything else that they can see. And finally, somebody raises their hand and they said, I'll buy the picture. And I don't remember how much it was for, but they bought the picture. And the auctioneer put down his gavel, hammered it down, said the auction's over. And then everybody started complaining, well, all this stuff is still here. Nobody's bought it. We want those things. That's what we came for. And the auctioneer said, well, according to the will, whoever buys the painting 
gets the whole thing. That's the way it is with us in Jesus. When we get Jesus, we get it all. There's nothing outside of Him that we need. You can see all of these things. You can see all of the other distractions. But really, it's, it's Him being focused on Him. Think about Simeon and Anna. They were so focused on the one thing that they separated themselves for the one thing and they waited. It says that Anna fasted and prayed. She didn't leave the temple. She stayed there night and day. I don't know how she did it. I don't know how she did it, but she did. That's how focused she was. And, you know, she was a widow. She was 84 years old and she was a widow and she'd been a widow for a long time. She was only married seven years. So you figure if she got married at 14 at the latest and she was married seven from 21 years to 84, she was a widow, but she found herself in the temple. She was worshiping God in the temple with prayer and fasting. Because she was focused in her life. And I, and I just think, how many of us would have been thrown off course when, when life happens to us? And we become bitter because she could have become bitter. We don't know if she had any kids or not. Maybe she didn't. Maybe she did. But there's one thing that we know about her. She knew who her source was. It was God. But she was so focused on that. And Simeon, the same way, he, he went to the temple. It was his custom to go to the temple. Did they have to have encouragement to do that? No. They were looking forward to it. There was a desire and a hunger in them to do it. There's something about focus, about purpose. There's something about refining ourselves to what I am going to feed my soul. Refining my understanding. Refining my conscious awareness of why I am on this planet. Do you ever take time to consider that? You're not here just to take up space and to suck up air. And then die. I mean, like, really? God has a plan and a purpose for us. He made us. He designed us with a plan and a purpose. We talked last week about the distractions and the diversity that we hear from the world all of a sudden. we got to be diverse. Well, you know what? Your body is diverse. Your whole life is, a divert, is diverse. But it's unified through that one thing. Through Jesus. Through keeping your eye on God. And I shared about how I share at funerals that we're not an island unto ourselves and how diverse we are. And, and I use myself as an example. I'm a son, I'm a brother, I'm a husband, I'm a father, I'm a pastor, I'm an employee. All of those things and more. And yet God says, you can be that diverse and it's okay. But it's under the one thing. It's under Him. It's walking with Him. They all fit under one thing. To know that I am alive on this earth to represent Jesus. And to bring forth His glory. That's why I'm alive. That's why I live for the one thing. And that is what moves and motivates me. 
And that keeps me from doing things that I know that are wrong, that I know that are against God's Word and aren't healthy for me. You know, the enemy always tells you that you can handle it. Well, when he tells you you can handle it, I'm here to tell you you can't handle it. Because he's a liar. And, you know, I've never seen anybody in those situations, you know, I don't know if they still do it or not. We don't live in an area where we see it much, but, you know, I, I used to always get so amazed at those alcohol bottles. And they have this pretty woman with them. I have never seen anybody go into an alcohol place and buy alcohol and come out with that woman. Or one that looks like her. Never. And, and the whole thought is you can handle it. This is going to be great for your life. It's not. It's not. Anything that doesn't fit into the alignment that God has for our life. It may be good. It may be moral. It may be upright. But, if it, but when it's there to divert our attention and our affection away from God, it's wrong. And we have to be careful. We have to be on guard against that. Because if we give our attention to that, eventually it's going to draw our affections away from God. And we have a new month, a new year to turn our hearts and our affection towards God. To have our minds set on Him once again. I am going to make another bold statement here. The first one was, the more focused we are, the less encouragement we need. Listen to this one, though. All right? The anointing of the Holy Spirit. So we all say that we want God to flow through us. The anointing of the Holy Spirit is actually, actually released through affection. The anointing of the Holy Spirit is released through affection. <clears throat> Throughout the year, I get a lot of good food given to us. And there's a reason. When somebody gives me food and it's good, and I like it, I let them know. They understand my affection. Now, think about this. We say that we want God to move through us, but how much time are we spending with Him? Is our affection on Him? When we try to diversify all this stuff in life, you know, it's kind of like the picture of the spinning plates on the stick. You know, I don't know how many they have. And, you know, they're spinning them on there and they're all lined up. They put them on there and then they put the next one and then they work their way down. And by the time they get to the end, you think, oh, they're going to lose this one. They run all the way down. They start spinning again. They... That's how it is for us. When we become so diversified and trying to succumb to the ways of this world, that's, 
I'm, can I tell you, that's insane. To sit there and, and keep going through these things. And yet, that's how we live our life. I remember when our kids were younger and Grandma and Grandpa Gore and, and they had bunnies. And oh, Lord have mercy. This one day, they, they had a litter of bunnies. I think there were seven of them. Could have been more. I don't know. But se- let's just say there were seven. And my son was infatuated with them. He loved them. They were awesome. And so he would go gather them and, and he would get one and lay it down. He'd go get another one, put it down, go get another one, put it down. And there's seven of them. And they had all boxes for them, you know, each one. And he would go and he did. By the time he got the seventh one down, the first one and two and three were gone again. And so then he'd have to go chase them back. And then he'd do that. Then he'd. And we were sitting there, we were watching him do this. And you know what I thought to myself? That's a picture of insanity. Keep doing the same thing, expecting different results. And yet we do that in our lives, in our Christian walk with God. We expect Him to move through us, and yet we haven't even given ourselves to Him. We've shown no affection to Him except for, you know, God forbid we come to church for two hours on a Sunday morning and sing some songs. And then while we're singing their songs, we're sitting there thinking, do we have to sing this one again? How long are we going to sing this one? Didn't we sing that one last year, last week? And then we want to say, oh, God, we love you, though. Do we really? We can't even spend any time with him. If you're in Luke chapter two, we'll get there in a minute. If you haven't figured it out, what the enemy wants to do in our life is to distract us and keep us from the one thing. In Luke chapter two, verse twenty five, and we read this last week, but I I intended to go on, but you know, from last week, but I just really felt impressed by the Lord that we have to look at this again. So here we go. Luke two twenty five. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was with him. And it had been revealed to him by this Holy Spirit that he would not see death before the before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Now, let's just pause there for a moment. Are we understanding this, that the Holy Spirit spoke to him? Okay, this set his course, this set the rest of his life. On course with what God said. Verse 27. And he came in the spirit into the temple. And and so let me just. Stop here for a moment. I don't know how many days a week he went to the temple. I'm, I'm guessing probably every day. But it says that this day he came to the temple because he was directed by the Holy Spirit. So do you think he's remembering verse 26? Yes, I believe he's remembering verse 26. So then he gets to the temple. And so what do you think he's doing? He's looking. And he, he's sensing the Holy Spirit. He's trying to be in tune with the Holy Spirit. He's focused. All right, verse 27. And he came in the spirit 
into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed. And a sword will pierce through your soul, your own soul also, so that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. What's God after? He's after our hearts. He's after our hearts. And, and Simeon is able to see all of this. Verse 36, And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanael, whoever, of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at the very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of Him, speaking of Jesus, to all who were waiting for the redemption of Israel. She saw the same thing. How is it that one man can be so focused that when he prays and intercedes for the nations, for the Messiah to come, and then one day the Lord shows up and says to him, before you die, you will see the great deliverer. Before you die, you will see the mighty one who comes to save. Why is he alive for one thing? The Spirit of the Lord moved him to go to the temple and what did he see? He saw an infant. He didn't see a deliverer. He didn't see a mighty man of God. He saw a baby. He didn't see a mighty man of God that had a sword and had a great army that was with him. He saw a baby. He didn't see a, a man that came from a great uh, pedigree. He didn't see that they came from a great family. It was Joseph and Mary that he came from. Ordinary people. That's what he saw. He saw an infant baby Jesus. He didn't see somebody who came with greatness. And yet he's eternally God. That's what he saw in the natural, but by the Spirit of God. By the presence of God. What he saw in the baby was different. You see, we can see things on the outside, but it's the inside that he saw. What he saw in that baby was the deliverance of Israel, the salvation of all. When we are focused on the one thing, we get to notice the things no one else sees. We get to see hearts moved, hurts healed, and the Spirit drawing people to himself. We get to see what no one else sees. And yet it's the one thing that keeps us encouraged no matter what it looks like in the natural. 
Anna and Simeon both saw all of what God was doing, but they saw it in seed form. They saw it in a baby. They recognized the king of glory was there in an infant who couldn't do anything, who couldn't do anything for himself. He was helpless. And yet they saw the king of glory. They saw, and that's what we need right now, more. Because everything around us is swirling and changing in a moment. There's so much chaos that is going on in this world. What used to be good is evil. What used to be evil is good. Uh, We don't even know what a male and a female are anymore. We've lost our way. So many things are swirling. That we need to dial back. We need to dial down and we need to focus in on the one thing. And in that one thing, we need to ask ourselves, why am I alive? And if you're alive this morning, if you're breathing this morning, God has a plan and a purpose for your life right now. If we will do that, that's when we will see the things that no one else sees in life and it will encourage us. And right now we need encouragement for our lives, for those around us like never before. And how foolish it is for us to live so close, within arm's reach. Not really, it's in us. But it's that close that we can reach out and touch God. We can have Eternal strength. The strength from heaven. We can have the peace from heaven. We can have the peace of God in our lives. We don't have to go looking for it. We don't have to go conjure it up or anything else. We have it in Christ. We have a feast of encouragement right at our fingertips. And how foolish is it of us not to take hold of it And yet many of us aren't taking hold of it. It's foolish to live this close to the ultimate internal strength of faith, of focus, of living with divine purpose, living this close and not take hold of it. Maybe we need to pray for eyes like Hannah or Anna and Simeon. The Matthew 6, the Luke 11 eyes. Eyes that have settled on the journey. The reason my whole body is filled with light. The reason for the glory of God to be in us is because we are a people who have one thing in our focus. We are living for the one thing. Stand with me if you will, please. We're entering into a new year. We have a new time. We've set it to draw close to the Lord. And I want to encourage you to do it. Find something. Do something. Not just fasting food, but spend time in prayer. Spend time reading His Word. Sitting with Him. Seeking after Him. 
We need to become all that God has for us. We need to be filled to overflowing with who He is in our lives. So that it's not just an accident that something happens out of our lives. But it's a regular, everyday occurrence that people get to see Jesus in us. Let's pray. Father, we're so grateful for this day and the love that you have for us. Thank you for the opportunity again to gather together. To be together, to seek after you. Father, we need, we want to be a people who are focused on the one thing, on you. We ask you to pour out your spirit upon us. Help us to be focused on you. The one thing for our lives. Not only in this new month, but in this new year, Father. Lord, teach us how to set the time apart to focus on You, to reset on You. Father, we need You. We need Your help. Father, may all that we do, all the things that You've called us to do, May they come in alignment with the one thing for our lives. And we ask this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. And amen. All right. Lord bless you. Have a great week. If you need prayer, feel free to come up. We'll be delighted to pray with you. And one more thing of note. Um, the Gilpins aren't here. Uh, last week we prayed for Bill again because he had a kidney coming, but that's been canceled as well. So we need to keep trusting for healing for his body. All right. All right. The Lord bless you.